Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? This is about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us and the possibility for us as a future person. Because ultimately, our people's future resides on what we do outside of the White House. African descent family, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action block, auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education, and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America? No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God... Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. matters. Transforming truth truth to power. One One broadcast at a time. And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. So how did the movement Black Lives Matter actually begin? Uh, Black Lives Matter started actually in 2013 as a national organizing project after George Zimmerman was acquitted in the murder of Trayvon Martin. Um, Folks like Patrice Cullors and Opal Tometi, who are co-founders of Black Lives Matter, each of us felt deeply that it was important for us to build a base of people who were ready to counter anti-black racism, which permeates our society. And so Black Lives Matter is really a call and response. It's a response to the virulent anti-black racism that our society faces and struggles with, and it's a call to action that we take the time to dismantle. Well, they're the same demands that people have been fighting for for a long time. We stand on the shoulders of giants, folks who have made sure that we have a seat at the table and that we're able to participate in our nation's democracy, that we're able to uh, live in full dignity and respect. Well, so for example, one of the things that we've been calling for is for our federal government to collect data on officer-involved shootings, which they don't currently do. We've also been calling for a reduction or an elimination of federal funding 
for the militarization of our police departments. There's no reason that our police departments need tanks, bazookas, and flash grenades in local communities. Uh, what we've seen is that the movement is growing worldwide and that this is really touching the hearts and minds of people all over. So I'm excited and I'm humbled and ready to be here. I consider myself fairly well informed. I do watch you. I do listen to uh, Radio One and all the other. Mm-hmm. I do. I get my black uh, media from all over the country, from Chicago, from L.A., from New York, and I didn't know. So maybe we need to do a better job of just letting people know. My question was, what was the ask, and where is the leadership? Really have to go, right? Moment 
right. movement. Right. And I referenced that. And I said one of the things we have to do is to have a clear ask. Now, I consider myself both a leader and an elder in this community. I do a lot of grassroots work. And I'm telling you, maybe we just want to consider how we can do a better job about letting the average everyday person know. I didn't know. I didn't know. And I'm in the DMV area. Mm -hmm. So what's the Black Lives Movement here? And as an elder in the community, what's the ask of me? What is the ask of me? There's been no ask made of me. And I mean that both as an individual and as a public person. I'm available. I'm a resource. So maybe it's not about is there an ask, but is Mm -hmm. that ask even in the local areas being promoted so that people know. Our Common Ground, broadcasting brave, bold, and black. Thank you for being with us tonight in our discussion about bringing the Black Lives Matter hashtag to a movement across our village. I'm Janice Grant, and I'll be listening for you. Stay tuned. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, Janice Graham. And thank you so very much. This is our Common Ground, and I'm Janice Graham, and I welcome you tonight uh, to a place, to our sanctuary, where we try to unravel, where we find solace and the power of black truth of the matter. Thank you for joining us uh, tonight in our discussion. You have been asking me for many, many months now to have a discussion about the hashtag Black Lives Matter and the emerging movement that has risen from it. And we are going to have that discussion tonight. Now, before we begin our discussion, I hope that you enjoyed uh, some information uh, about what Black Lives Matter, straight from Alicia Garcia, one of the founders and leaders. Uh, But I think that we have to begin to understand that In order to be an effective activist, we cannot be armchair revolutionaries. There's no such thing. That we have to be able to embrace, and we talk about this a lot on this show, and for those of you who are new, we welcome you and thank you for joining us. But we talk about the idea of movement 
being a process of struggle being a process with peripheral activity going on on each side, the north, the east, the south, the west, however. So we're going to set some rules here for this conversation. This is not a discussion about the mistakes that young people make. I mean, if you really want to know the truth, I can think about how I had to spend the night behind a a, a garbage uh, dumpster uh, during the 60s um, just by being young and foolish and not getting the directions right and trying to figure it out. But um, <clears throat> we're not going to be talking about the mistakes. We're not going to be talking about what the leadership uh, of Black Lives Matter should have done for us, but what we can do for them. There are many. This is serious talk radio, not serious with an I, but serious with an E, S-E-R-I-O-U-S, serious. And many of the people who gather here every Saturday night with me are people who are experienced not only having had a view, but having grown a vision. Understand the peril and understand the pain. The cry of Black Lives Matter rings throughout this nation. There are very few people who read the newspaper, listen to the media, uh, people like me who listen to GOP debates, uh, clown, clown car gatherings, and and they know or have heard. But we need to be very clear. As serious activists, as serious community change artists, we need to be clear about what this is and where we stand. It stands in the wake of a new movement and awakens our national consciousness to a to this persistent system of white supremacy and structural racism that penetrates every one of our institutions in this country. And by placing violence against black bodies at the center of the movement, Black Lives Matter has demanded dignity and respect in a very public way, for those who are often disregarded as disposal. I'll give you some history about it. The Black Lives Movement was born out of the pain and injustice of Trayvon Martin's death in 2012, and it gathered momentum in the wake of the killings of Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, Freddie Gray, Walter Scott, Tamir Rice, and many others. The significance of this emergence was not so much the movement, but as that many people who had not paid attention to what we must do, who were not participating, who are not engaged, understood the cry of our people declaring that black lives matter. It is a cry for a need for a new liberation uprising for black people in America. 
It is a slogan that met the need of black people to declare our pain loudly and precisely. And that slogan began to move as an undergird of a movement, and that is the hard part. Figuring out how we ignite political and social transformation, not just the marches that we see, not just the Twitter feeds that we read, and shouting matches on and offline, those are not the real challenges. The real challenges is the real challenges are that we must be able to teach, to train and strategically plan about the needs of this transformation. You know, one of the things that I thought about and I've been thinking about Black Lives Matter because sometimes I'm kind of confused as to how uh, even how I get involved. But no movement can be sustained or make significant change if mistakes that are critical get made, uh, that we buy into in trying to move our movement, in trying to raise it up, uh, by being co-opted by the same systems which rule the designs of this empire. But be very clear, and I want everyone to be very clear. We're going to open up our lines as soon as I finish beating my gums about it. Um, that when we see the young leadership of this movement, Mock my words as they said it about me, as they said it about my comrades and colleagues and in my teens and 20s. We are looking at the promise. The people who lead this movement, the young people, they are our children and and they are the most articulate, the, the precision of the language is so wonderful and beautiful and empowering. They are the promise. And they deserve, you know, a lot of you are sitting out there saying, well, they didn't send me a letter or they didn't send me an email. Well, hell, I've been broadcasting for 33 years. There is There are very few black people of note who love their people and who have the skills and resources and have a, achievements that I have not interviewed. And that goes all the way back uh, to uh, Marva Collins and Haki Madabudi and Dr. Naeem Akbar and Angela Davis when she was shy of the media in, all the way back to the early 80s. There, my list cannot be matched. The treasures and, I mean, talking to these people, I, I was always very insistent. You can't come to and talk to me less than half an hour. I'm not interested in sound bites. So I have extended an invitation to uh, three or four people who who have 
label themselves as part of the leadership of Black Lives Matter, uh, including Alicia Garcia, including um, a young woman here in my own hometown in Boston uh, who is leading the uh, activities uh, here in Boston, including um, Sean King and, and a number of others. And no one has bothered to return my calls, to reply to my emails, are my direct messages on Twitter, because they seem to live on Twitter. Um, and I've got a rule here, and, you know, after a while your feelings get hurt, so i got a three-strike rule. I ask you three times, and you don't bother to say no. There are some people who say no. You don't bother to say no. You don't bother to say anything. You you treat me as though um, because it's not MSNBC, because it's not CBS, because it's not ABC, you treat me as though I'm less than. Well, somebody better tell somebody because three times and you're out. It, it doesn't mean that I won't because I, I, I think there are certain voices that are you want to hear as my audience, but... Uh, somebody else will have to invite them. That's why we have an administrative assistant who will say, Janice, get off the high horse. I'll send the email. I'll find. Or Ruby Sales will say, well, let me let me contact that person and see if we can get them on. So that's where we are. Um, and, you know, this is an activist movement. Um, and it was co-founded by three black activists. You should know their names. Alicia Garza, Patrice Coulars, and Opal Tomati. Uh, they run websites. Um, Black Lives Matter is a decentralized network and has no formal hierarchy. I am not saying that we cannot offer criticism because I think Positive criticism is going to be helpful. Uh, but I am saying that we ought to do it in a constructive way. And, you know, it's the same thing that I say about um, about this president. The other is that we need to claim this. We really need to claim this. And if you've got problems with some of the things that these people do, you need to talk that through because nobody, everybody is not going to agree. I've been in activist meetings in my young days when I was really young where somebody threw a Coke bottle in a meeting at somebody. So this stuff is so raw. This stuff is so uh, driven by passion so um, as far as we know, uh, in August, there were at least 1,007 Black Lives Matter demonstrations that had been held worldwide. You should know that. Um, Black Lives Matter supports um, food strikes. Um, but most of you only know that they disrupted 
Bernie Sanders at one and one two of his um campaign uh events and that they had a discussion with Hillary Clinton that didn't go so well. But you know, you gotta you gotta think. Hillary Clinton is a seasoned camp uh, a seasoned politician. She can just about outfox most people. So, um you know, the hashtag Lives Matter was created by supporters who stood up for police officers' lives. But that doesn't seem to matter because there are people out there trying to destroy them. For every misstep, for every positive step that they take, there is someone out there trying to destroy them. So tonight, what we want to ask of you is to give us your 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 take on um your your take on what you see um and how you think that you can fit it in your own in game so we're going to go to our phones our number by the way if you'd like to join us in this conversation is 347-838-9852 i'm Janice Graham and we're going to take our first call. 202, you're on the air. I respect you. 202? 202, we're going to give you one more chance. (laughs) You're on the air. I hear some noise. But I'm not sure what's happening with 202. I'm going to mute you 202 and come back to you. Uh, we thank you for all of you who are in our chat room. And if you'd like to join our chatters, our location is blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG. 202, you're on the air. Something's going on with 202. 202, are you there? Okay, we're going to put you on on mute. Okay, we're going to go to 240. I'm calling out your area code rather than your entire phone number. 240. Hi, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you, sir, for joining us. I respect you. Right. You're on our comment. Um, you... uh, brother Ty from Washington, D.C. Um, here, Here's a situation that I see, and it gives me a little bit of concern. When we say, we, we know that the, the title for the movement is, is Black Lives Matter, but we got to pay mm-hmm. attention to the black to the black part. What is black today? And, and I know people say, well, today is not the same as yesterday's revolution. This is whatever. We have to take that statement into consideration. What is black today is not the same per se it, it, as what black was yesterday. Because okay, the wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's not get uh, – brother, I appreciate your, your, your comment, but let's not get so far down the rabbit hole that we're complicating ourselves and tripping on our own feet. We are talking well, about a, black people, 
Black Lives Matter refers to black people, African Americans, who live in the United States of America and who are subject to economic oppression, police brutality, police terrorism, mass incarceration, poverty, and other forms of economic oppression, miseducation, and gentrification, the absence of affordable and decent housing. You see what I'm saying? So let's deal with well, that. I just- Right, I understand what you're saying. I'm going to tie it up into a nice little bow and explain why I said that and why that is uh, relative to what you're saying just now. Back in the 60s, what helped us get over wasn't just the dogs and the water hoses and the marches and the T, although TV was a great help because that helped, helped put things to the forefront. It's kind of similar to what we have going on today. But mm-hmm. the other part that helped us get over was the political part. Because in South Africa, you had similar situations going on, and you had the international community trying to pass laws. And it was all because of benefit. It was all the money was involved, but it was very much concerned with what was going on in Africa. So whether we kind of sort of see it or not, Africa is tied into the plight of what we go through here Wait in America, minute, even s- though it's two separate places. Okay, okay. You started off in this in this in this conversation by saying black is not what it used to be right okay and you got me stuck there cuz i'm not understanding what that means right so i'm i'm about to tie it up cuz i how I is that to related to black lives matter the black lives matter movement okay i want to explain how how it's related to the movement now you remember what was going on in South Africa in the sixties at the same time no, that we you were just trying to want, get the No, civil you gotta answer my question. How is your comment black is not what it used to be related to I mean, first of all, um I I'm not even understand I, I tried to I, I'm dismissing the notion that black is not what it used to be. You understand, I I just kind of like put that on the delete button. I, I, I know. I'm par- Partially, I'm trying to be kind of what PC is your about point, it. But, brother? Okay, here's the point. Okay. We don't have the connection between, and I know it's going to sound unimportant, between Africa and what is black. Right now, we're riding, trying to fight a system that we say is treating it is it's treating us terrible but in the last two and a half uh generations which would be about 40 to 45 years we have not really gotten to the essence of where we were in terms of okay here's where we are socially here's our social stability as people and that's because of all the redlining redistricting all of the marginalization but we have allowed ourselves to have a huge segment of our community to become so degenerate that the media has so much ammunition okay, now. Stop, stop right there, because you know, um, is this your first time on our common ground? We I don't, don't do victim so. blaming here. If you understand the nature of in, institutional and 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 structural racism that exists in this country, you cannot. On the other hand, begin to 
you know what I'm going to do? You, you cannot begin <laughs> to blame black people for the it, the cur- the present effects of current and past discrimination. Well, I, I don't think I don't so know. much blame it. <laughs> yeah, that's what you just said. Well, see, we here's have the allowed thing, and I'm gonna... our communities. Okay, I, have... I'm gonna I'm gonna. Oh, well, I don't want to cut you off, so I'm gonna let you because I'm not that kind no, of no, person. No, no, go, I'm... go ahead. So, so, so right. I can hang up on you in a few minutes. <laughs> no, no, I just when when I listen. When, when, let me explain when I make... something to you. Okay. When you look at the wealth, the poverty, the the wealth versus poverty in our country and you really understand the history of how that came to be. You know what I'm going to do? I want you, brother, I want you to stay with us, but tomorrow I want you to spend some time looking at an article on reparations in the Atlantic Monthly Magazine. Look for the Coates article on reparations. Then I want you to go to you to the YouTubes, and I want you to look up a man by the name of Sir, oh God, Hinckley, and understand reparations from a the issues of reparation from the point of people of of what has happened in north Amer- in in north america including the caribbean and then you will begin to understand why i'm not putting i i'm not connecting anything that you are saying and i'm certainly not going to be blaming black people for i mean you, 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 you cannot look down the street and see Miss Susie and decide that Miss Susie, who drinks liquor all day and sits out on her porch, is the story. Miss Susie is just Miss Susie. You've got to look at the collective history of our people to understand gentrification, marginalization, economic oppression, poverty. And you've got to look at the public policy that not only created it, but has maintained it. i got to go, but you stay with us. And um, I've got something for you coming up next week that I think you will benefit and enjoy. And it's about uh, uh, online teaching education project that I'm doing. Can you stay with me? Okay. I I, I really do appreciate your call, but um I'm not gonna let you take us off off topic. Um it, it, it's just very important to understand that you can't even start a conversation. I can't even, I mean, I I can't wrap around my head when you start talking about black people or not the black people last year or whenever. Uh, but but I, I like that you're, you're trying to struggle in thinking these through. So thank you for your call. I'm going to put you on mute again, okay? 
Is that how you're listening on your smart device? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, and for those of you who are um, wanting to join us in our chat room, please do by coming to blogtalkradio.com backslash forward slash OCG. And um, our number is 347-838-9852. Boy, that kind of like wrung my brain a, a little bit. But the brother's trying, you see, the brother's calling early. And this is his first trip, his first trip to our common ground. And we're going to give him some slack uh, because, you know, I ain't rug-beating anybody on, on this show because we come here as a sanctuary. We come here to learn. We come here to find the path to our to our individual and collective liberation. We're going to go to 202. 202, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Uh, whoa. Yeah, I just needed you just a few minutes ago because I didn't understand what was going on. <laughs> well, the thing that was going on is that I had two lines open, my cell phone and 404. And I was no, talking I'm talking about with before. the caller. I needed you for the caller. Oh, oh. <laughs> Ruby Sales on the line. Thank you for being Hi. with us, my sister. Oh. <clears throat> okay, we're going to get back to Black Lives Matter. <laughs> oh. oh, God. Oh, uh, Ruby, one of the things that we have said about this episode of Our Common Ground is that we have to work to get the whole village to the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing that, we have to get past all the nonsense. You know, like, I was looking for material for Black Lives Matter, and it was more of the nonsense. Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. Black Lives Matter hates white people. Black Lives Matter is uh, is anti-American. Black Lives Matter is Muslim, whatever. Talk to us from your perspective about what we and how we uh, can participate, support, because I said, one of the things I said, I don't know if you caught me, is that when we look at these young people who have put this together, uh, we're looking at the promise. Well, one of the things, uh, yes, we are indeed looking at the promise and the continuity. And what I really want to say is that we've got to tease out the meaning of Black Lives Matter. State-sanctioned murders is just one aspect of Black Lives Matter. But from the time black people were held captive and brought to this country, our assertion has been Black Lives Matter. During enslavement, our assertion was Black Lives Matter, that we were not property, that our lives, our relationships, our spirituality, our lives mattered in a society, in a white supremacist society that said that only white lives matter. So we're talking about a cry that is deeply a part of the black struggle in this country. During segregation of Southern apartheid, we were asserting that black lives matter. And that was a radical departure from a white supremacist society 
that said that only white lives matter. That was a radical departure from a white supremacist society of the red riots in the 1920s when white people went to black communities from Oklahoma to New York City and went crazy, went on a rampage, killing black people, and the police stood by and watched. We said black lives matter in a 100 years of lynching. We said that black lives mattered economically when after enslavement, they once again, they, began, they created a, a, a convict system where black lives only mattered in relationship to what we could do for white people. So I think that part of the problem is people have not, so given that black lives matter is a call to consciousness, a call to radical participation in movement for every aspect of the black community. In a world of privatized education where black public schools are being gutted and 85% of people in public school children are black, to privatize education, to gut the private uh, public school system is to be up against a system that says that black children's lives do not matter, that they are burdens rather than investments. So while I'm deeply involved in state-sanctioned murders, we get caught up in a knot, and we go on unnecessary trips when we don't understand that Black Lives Matter is a radical call to assert our humanities, to assert our, assert our relevancy, to say that we are subjects, not objects of white people's desires, and to say that our bodies cannot be desecrated, destroyed, or maimed. So it's not just about our body. It's about black people in a medical industrial complex where oftentimes we are the highest number on dialysis, where we are not given preventive care. In every aspect, white society is assaulting black lives. So once you understand that, there's plenty of good room for everybody to be in this struggle. Well, you know, one of the things... um Ruby, and for those of you who are listening, uh, my dear friend and um, my monthly commentator and co-host, Ruby Sales of the Spirit House Project in Atlanta, Georgia, is uh, talking with us tonight, um, and I'm so glad that she did call in. You know, there is a lot of controversy within our own community about, you know, people are asking the question, well, who are these young people? Why didn't they send me an email? Why didn't, you know, how do I, how do I know who's attached to this Black Lives Matter? And then uh, when Black Lives Matter had a lot of national exposure as a result of the Bernie Sanders um, incident, event, uh, interru- protest interruption at a campaign, people were saying, well, why would they do that? Bernie, Bernie Sanders is talking about issues that are important to us. He's talking about policy, um, um, policy um, that policies that we could support. Why did they do it to Bernie? And then there was, why did they do it again? And why aren't they interrupting um, Donald Trump and uh, Jeb Bush? And, 
you know, and there was, and and a lot of people only knew Black Lives Matter as a as 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 that, and then there was the uh, someone Breitbart Bre- Bart um, was mm-hmm. raised the issue that Sean King, uh, one of the leaders, was white. He wasn't black, and that was a nasty um, media event. Um, I do have to say that the mainstream media, MSNBC, CNN, New York Times, and Washington Post, have been pretty much very uh, precise in reporting what Black Lives Matter are uh, is all about. And um, but we still persist with these questions because Black Lives Matter movement is not operating in the same way that say SNCC did or but but I I have to disagree with that because you know we got to stop waiting for people to come to us that's what I'm trying to say right this is what I would say about the generation of young people who have taken on one aspect one aspect and that is police brutality, terrorism, and murder of African-American people. That's only one aspect. There are all these other tributaries that run into, you know, all these other lanes in the highway that we need to have people occupying. This mm-hmm. is what I would mm-hmm. say about the truth of the matter is Bernie Sanders, like Hillary Clinton, like Ben Carson, like Carla Fioroni, are part is a part of the empire. If you're going to criticize, one of the things about criticism is that you have to be historically accurate. In 1968, when 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 people showed up in Chicago, they showed up against the Democratic National Convention. They never protested against the Republican Convention. And all these years, most of the protest has been aimed at the Democratic Party. And so I think people show up in places paradoxically where they think they have some chance of being heard and where they do not feel that it's fruitless. But if you if we're going to ask why did they do why didn't they show up at the Republican Party, we have to say that that's a tradition in our community. We have not made, we how many times have we shown up and disrupted the Republican convention? We've got to be honest about that. And so I think that given that level of honesty, we have to they had a right to ask the question, I think, what's your position on race? That there's a real connection in this country between race and economics. You're poor because you're black and you're black because you're poor. That's just how it is. And so Bernie Sanders has been very good on economic issues, but the truth of the matter is he has not been good on race. He needed to have been taken to task. Where I think the problem is, is that given the level of constant pounding and the decimation of the black adult character, welfare queen and and hootlum father, that these young people have been victims of a carefully orchestrated campaign to decimate the images of their parents and grandparents in their eyes. 
just like we, they, we, if we're honest now, we talk about Hillary Clinton and the prison industrial complex, but if we're honest, how many of us sat back intellectuals, activists, uh, people in the community sat back and allowed that to be built? How many times did we hear, if you do the crime, you do the time? How many times did we hear us being afraid of our own children? If we had been strong, if we had stood up, Nobody could have built the prison industrial complex, but we were high on empire benefits, and we were, they convinced <laughs> us that our children were hoodlums. Say it again, Ruby. We were high on empire benefits. Absolutely, and what the, and, and and order to and, get and you know the benefits. thing is, we let's go let, let's go back to the welfare queen. Um, um, Pascal, and the first caller got me all off off guard here. Uh, Robert uh, posed a question today uh, in a discussion, and that is the idea about whether or not people believe that within our own community we have black people who hate poor black people. My take on that was that I don't think black people consciously hate black people. But I think that there is a sub there is a disdain and it is a fear if that they don't discount, marginalize and dismiss people who are not like them, they will lose their positioning within the empire. Absolutely. One of the things that the empire tells people from very young ages, you are the exceptional black person. And if other people don't do what you are doing, it's because they don't want to do it. You have worked very hard, and therefore you deserve these benefits. The rest of those folks in your community, they're lazy, they're undeserving, and they're not even the working poor. <laughs> they're the non-working poor. They're That's poor right. because they don't want to work. They're poor That's because right. they're lazy. I mean, just the whole series of psychological assaults. Part of what the empire does is engages in psychological warfare. So what? What? So there has developed when you disconnect black children from black adults in a school setting and allow all of their education without any community modification to be put to allow their minds to be still but stolen by the empire they see through the eyes of the empire okay so and I'm so, not so let's talking break about young down. people but our generation yeah yeah I mean, we have had a lot of discussion on Our Common Ground over the years about the notion of us dropping the ball, our generation, dropping the ball, not ensuring that we had strong community, education, social engagement for our children, that we have been pushing them toward the mecca of integration, that we have abandoned our historically black colleges and universities, 
We abandon the notion that our community has responsibilities and obligations to teach our children their history and their responsibilities and obligations to their ancestors. We have allowed many enclaves in our community to um, abandon our children in a way that made them feel that they were in a vacuum. They were neither beneficiary or enjoyed the privileges of whiteness and had no foundation that soothed them, comforted them, and made them strong in their blackness. You know, one of the things that, yes, you got it right, but I want to add another twist to that. There was abandonment at the same time there was a, we were tired. We had been at war in the South. We lived with uh, night bombers. We lived with police violence. We lived with FBI infiltration. There was a war on the Panthers where Fred Hampton was shot 80-some times in his bed, where the, where the young man in Oakland, what was the little boy's name who was barely grown, who was shot with his hands up, little Bill, what do they call him? Oh, God. Anyway, there was an absolute, you know, we didn't get this way because because we just kind of up and left. The community did not prepare itself to carry on. A soldier can't be on duty 24-7. The community, there was not the consciousness developed in the community so that the community was prepared when the soldiers came home to take up the battle because they they had been told, deliberately so, that the mountaintop, was the ability to sit in a white chair in a white institution. And that's what they thought had been the ultimate goal of the movement. And so having been intentionally taught that, the community themselves, itself, was not prepared for the second phase of the journey. One group Mm -hmm. of people could not carry, we've got to understand the war that was conducted against the black community through Operation Chaos and COINTELPRO. We've got to understand that young people, just like today with the Black Lives Matter, by the time they start, by the time the society finished with the lies about Panthers who were really basically socialist and communist, hated white people and posed a danger to the security of the white people, by the time they finished, they set them up for the kill. And not even black people in large numbers sympathize for care that they were being that absolutely this is what mm-hmm. we see today so i get mm-hmm. very worried when they say that black lives matter people uh hate white people and want to kill we've been there before because if if that then becomes a prelude to move on the on that group in mass it becomes uh-huh. i've got prelude. only got a few minutes a few minutes before i go to break because i i want to make this imprint this okay, notion I'll about why our <laughs> children, why our children have these children, these these young people have deserve our support, deserve us holding them up when they yes. falter. 
and that is and 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 that is why we need to stop talking about what is black lives matter movement and start engaging in it so that we can help them to define in every area and broaden the agenda and be contributors to making this movement matter. And to understand that our young people are up against a monster who will maintain power by any means necessary. They are in danger. Mm -hmm. They are in danger. I mean, we already have a record of the FBI surveilling all of the, the the named leaders of 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 the Black Lives Movement, uh, Black Lives Matters movement. So and I mean, and you I, have to understand. Say. Even Ruby, Ruby, I you know I I know for years and years and years that I'm on the list. Every time I get a phone call and nobody says anything, but they're still on the line, I know they're trying to establish communications. On my telephone. I've known I, I want to say one last thing, and then I'll let another caller come on. But it's not the big ask. If there's a big ask, it's not what we ask white people. It's what we ask ourselves. And the big ask on the table for black people, from Michael Brown to to Tamir Rice to to uh, Melissa uh, Williams to all to Ariana Jones. The big ask on the table is what does it mean for a community to allow the police to mow down its children and remain silent and disorganized? That's the big ask. Yeah, that is the big big ask. And we should not relish the idea that we have young people who are asking those questions and not resonating those questions in the background on their behalf. We've 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 got to get out of the notion that somehow it has to be like it was. I, I think that that one of the reasons I tried to spend a lot of time with the first caller is because I think this really was what he was trying to get to. That we have got to understand that these people are these young people are speaking our truths. We have a movement. And what truths are we speaking? We still have breath in our body. Bernice Johnson Regan, Regan sings a song that says that I will stand up for freedom until I have no breath left in my body. That's mm-hmm. what movement is. It doesn't belong to one generation. It's a constant struggle for freedom, and you have to stand up for freedom until there's no bo- no voice left in your body, until you cross over, the struggle for freedom is ours. It's all of us. We cannot put the we cannot criticize. They don't have money. They don't have resources. Even if we do nothing, but send money. Even if we do nothing but organize and talk with them about what a movement is to set up classes so that they can. See, we can't get out there and walk 25 miles or run the race the way they can. So that we become the head in a way and they become the, 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 they're running the race. And so everybody has a role to play. 
in the race. You're and I just think right. that it doesn't make sense to if you to tear down you I mean the young people make me angry sometimes. Sometimes I can't stand the disrespect. Sometimes I can't stand the short sightedness. Sometimes I want to say you can't build a movement when you don't knock on doors. All of that's true. But they're if they have if they are out of touch, they're our children and we made them. Mhm. Mm-hmm. That's I, the bottom I, I line. They come agree. out of us. I absolutely agree with you. Um, and I'm going to give you an example, and I want to talk to you about it on the other side of the break, Ruby. So I'm going to put you on okay. hold. And right, cause I, I really oh, do want cause, right. because I think that there were a lot of black activists when uh, all of this went down with Hillary Clinton, which is why I used part of that. I don't know if you caught um, yes, intro. I caught it. Um, and 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 people went crazy. Well, yeah. I was sitting in front of the TV and went a little bit crazy myself. Me too. But it's no more crazy than when my own family makes some mistakes. My own when my daughter was a teenager and she had to go out and make the mistakes to learn. But one of the things I'm concerned about is how we direct that anger because I have offered uh, uh, these radio airwaves to Black Lives Matter, however they want to use it, and I explain to them uh, they produce their own program, and it, it has, and all I do is pay the bill. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Thank you very much for being with us. Don't forget, during this broadcast, you can. Um, join us on Facebook at OCG Talk and uh, join uh, follow us on Twitter at Janice at um, at Janice OCG and uh, subscribe to uh, our community forum at Our Common Ground Talk hyphen whatever Ning it's on the website <laughs> at OurCommonGround.com www.OurCommonGround.com this is our common ground, and we're going to take a break, and you stay tuned. I'm really excited for the opportunity to talk about the totality of black lives, and so not just about police brutality, but about unemployment, about the lack of education, about the increase in suspensions, particularly amongst black girls. I'm excited also to talk about incarceration in this country and how we can cut mass incarceration so that we don't have millions of people behind cages, but instead that we realign folks with their families to better our communities once and for all. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. wake up the entire African-American community to the hidden issue of mental health. It showed up in my life through one of my best friends. And we've been friends for over 30 years. One story at a time. If we would have known earlier, you know, we would have been more, much more supportive with her. Once I reached out to my sister, it got a little better. Once I told my mother, it got a little better. The more I talked about it, 
I felt it coming off. The healing is in me, and the healing in a journey can also be extended to others. It's our community and our mental health. Giving voice to what you're feeling is part of the healing. If you're strong enough to just open your mouth, that's all it takes. And the most revolutionary and healing thing that black people can do right now is to love one another. It's time to share ourselves. Healing starts with us. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Ad Council, and the Stay Strong Foundation. Thanks for coming over. Now you better come on in to the home of Real Raw Right Now Talk Media, the I Declare Show. IDeclareMedia.com, the I Declare Show, is where we deal with the difficult, real raw, right now. IDeclareMedia.com, the I Declare Show. India Declare, real, raw, and right now. India returns to Rip the Mic on September 15th, Tuesday, 9 p.m. The I Declare Show. Don't miss it. But the people who are really in a rage are white men. And they are emptying the, I mean, the fact that you shoot someone nine times indicates that it's personal, it's up close personal, and it's in a rage. So we've got to begin to look at the connection between the loss of geographic power since this country is no longer predominantly white and and in a capitalist technocracy where only even a few white people matter, although they've been told that they matter. The truth of the matter is they're in a rage because they have been, the only thing they have to move on is a little bit of white privilege and lies about their superiority. Gather Come on. It is what it is. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Check it out. And we thank you for being with us. Our number is 347-838-9852. And we are holding Ruby Nell Sales at the Spirit House Project in Atlanta, Georgia, hostage right now. Uh, we're going to go and take some calls while she's still listening um, and we thank her for calling in, but she it, she is a national treasure. Um, her experience in community development. You remember when we were um, uh, during Ferguson, uh, Ruby was our boots on the ground reporter, along with uh, um, um, others, in calling in and telling us right in the middle of the action, what was going on. Our number, 347-838-9852. I'm Janice Graham, and I'm uh, very pleased to have all of you with us. We're going to go to 312. You're on the air. Thank you for your call. I respect you. 312? Okay, you've got to speak up. Uh, For some reason, I'm not hearing you. Yes, uh, is this any better? A little better. Hey. Good, good. Um, it's, it's good to hear you on the air again. Um, Ruby Sales, Thank you. Good to talk to you 
also. Um, I hope you were This is house um, music lover. Yes, this house in Chicago. <laughs> good to good to have you with us tonight, House. We've been uh, yeah. missing you. Uh, well, yeah, I truly Ruby. missed all of you over the summer. Um, it was so much uh, going on, and um, I had to find different outlets and um, you know a couple of different channels and some knowledge. Um, but you know, thank God you're back, and um, I missed your first two shows, but I had to listen to them on demand. And um, Ruby made so much sense. The first show, actually listened to that uh, one and a half times over. As a matter of fact, wow. over the summer, I listened to your show with Tim Wise and um, and when Dr. Curry came on. Um, and I, I actually turned a few people on to it. Um, it was uh, extremely powerful and extremely inform- um, informational. So, um, Well, thank you very I'm, much. We, we have, have always appreciated your support. Um, and as far as Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, I had a, a, a real personal um, um, conversation with a gentleman this week. Um, a little background, being in Chicago, Chicago is a super segregated city. Turns out this gentleman is a generation ahead of me. He actually graduated from the high school in 1970 that I went to in 1981. Um, only difference was the neighborhood was totally white when he was there. It's the West Pullman area. Uh, President Barack Obama just um, uh, dedicated uh, 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 part of the, what's left of the Pullman uh, Railroad uh, factory kind of over there. But it was mm-hmm. white back in the day. It's black now. So it, it went through this white flight. Um, he was one of the gentlemen um, that, whose family uh, stayed there and left. Um, so I worked with him from time to time. And uh, we were having, we always talk politics. And um, we were doing a project together all day, eight hours. About the sixth hour, Black Lives Matter came, Black Lives Matter came up. And um, we can always talk, although we're not totally the same. He's a little more conservative. He watches Fox, but he's not unreasonable. But when Black Lives Matter came up, I felt this authoritarian came come out of him. Um, because the gist of his conversation was, look, if Black Lives Matter is going to work, they need to change their approach to get people like me to support them, because how they're coming off now, they're they're kind of too pushy. And at the end mm-hmm. of the conversation, he actually said he made a reference, excuse me, not a reference, he said, I regard them almost as a terrorist organization. They're almost like ISIS to me um, because of how just from the one uh, clip of when they were in uh, excuse me, uh, Minnesota somewhere, whatever, March, and it was the bacon and fried the pig and the ba- like bacon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is a cordial conversation all day. But I know my, my attitude changed. My, I stood up. I probably started breathing a little hard because he backed up. <laughs> and I was like, ISIS, and I'm Muslim too, so I took offense to it on a couple of different um, couple of different levels. But I was like, well, what's the body that Black Lives Matter has on their hearts? And he tried to make reference to the, the cop that got shot in the gas station. I was like, that wasn't Black Lives Matter. That dude was crazy. They had nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. There are no bodies on Black Lives Matter. Uh, Black Lives Matter, for, for one. For two, if Black Lives Matter is a organiz- uh, terrorist organization, what the hell is the Klan? 
Um, we could talk about bodies. We could talk about bodies with uh, uh, your boy Bill O'Reilly. He got that killer killed, the abortion uh, clinic doctor. He got him killed. But he's going to make this assertion about these young black folks who are fed up, and rightfully so. And hopefully they're bringing along more young people and older folks with a, a true-to-life hashtag uh, that says Black Lives Matter. But as Ruby pointed out, uh, the fact that when you say something about black, black lives mattering, it goes and smacks white supremacy in the face. And white supremacists can't have that. They can't ever think that black folks will have the notion that their lives matter. It's antithetical to their movement. So, Amen. I'm having words, and he's ready to leave. Because um, I know my voice is raising, and but I I was just so enraged with that that white explaining, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he just it's the way it just felt like it. I felt like he mm-hmm. started talking down to me as though I didn't understand. But what he mm-hmm. doesn't get is how is Black Lives Matter worried about getting support from some people who were never going to support him, mm-hmm. be it him. Mm-hmm. Or it's Fox News. I know they got it off people on Fox News. So why do why would they ever have to worry about uh, courting uh, uh, their agreement and and their alliances? It's never going to happen. It's not supposed to happen. And they're not supposed to worry about what I say. If I had a problem with what they did getting on stage with Bernie Sanders, that's my problem. They're still moving forward. Hopefully with the agenda of Black Lives Matter. Now, we can talk about what that agenda is and how they're going to get you from point A to point B. Those are different discussions. But the fact that they're in the ether now with that hashtag, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think it's it's incredible, and it really, really matters. Um, yeah, yeah. And one other thing I, I did find out, uh, last time I talked to Dr. Curry, I asked him, you know, about this black-on-black crime notion and how I felt it's totally bogus. Um and I heard yesterday that I think it's Richard Sherman plays for the Seahawks, yes. got on the air, and made mm-hmm. some comment about until about, about Black Lives Matter, until we get our act together and, and, and uh, amongst ourselves mm-hmm. and deal with the crime, then how are we going to, you know, worry about Black Lives Matter and this other thing as though we can't do two things at once? And I read online, there's a former basketball player by the name of Eton Thomas, and he wrote an open letter to him, and it was awesome. And he yeah, everything I did read that. that. Yeah. yeah, he quoted what, everything. For, for, those of you who are, for those of you who are listening, um, House Music Lover is referring to Seattle Seahawks uh, player Richard Sherman, who has had some sense up until now in my mind, but what he said was that he had dealt with the best friend getting killed, and it was by two... 35-year-old black man, and there were no police involved, there wasn't anybody else involved, and he didn't hear anybody shouting Black Lives Matter then. But, you know, it's the same thing that I have to deal with, with um, people, white people in in my life, and I, and I simply say to them, you are right, all lives matter, but right now we're talking about black lives and we're talking about black history. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about that. I I don't want to talk about all lives. I'm talking about black lives. And black lives getting cut down by the people who are supposed to serve and protect. Although we know that's not really exactly. Let, let's get let's get a response from Ruby and um, 
uh, for you, House, because she has called in and she's with me right now. And right after that, we're going to take another break and we're going to have Alpha of the Alpha Show, uh, who is on leave, uh, join us to talk about some of the political aspects of the Black Lives Matter movement. Ruby? Well, first of all, I think House would, how, I think he raised a very good point that gets very that gets overlooked. The very assertion that Black Lives Matter poses a severe threat to the security of white supremacy, and that's why you have all of this reactionary resistance from white people, because what it says is that we are going to have our rights. The minute you insist on black rights in a society that says that only white people should enjoy rights like equal protection under the law, only have the right to vote, once you challenge that, once you say black lives matter, you're really raising important constitutional issues that go to the very heart of dismantling white supremacy. And the other thing that's so incredible to me, even during the Southern Freedom Movement and throughout black struggle, black people were killing each other. But that didn't mean that we lost our right to advocate for our, for our constitutional rights. One thing has nothing to do with the other. We, we are the, why is it that we are the only people who have to prove that we are worthy of having constitutional rights? That is just incredible to me. Mm-hmm. And we never hear white-on-white white crime. We never hear brown-on-brown brown crime. That phrase has been exclusively coined to talk about African-American people. And the truth of the matter is is that 87% of white people kill other white people. And we never hear those statistics. We never hear the fact that uh, the majority of Latinos kill each other. We never hear those statistics. It's all about black people being the worst people of all other people who do not deserve not to be killed by the police, who do not deserve our rights because we kill each other. That's absurd. That's that's what uh, the the brother Etan Thomas' article was about. He he quoted those statistics. Um, And furthermore, if you've ever been anywhere else in the world, um, Japan, a homogenous society, Japanese people kill Japanese people all the time. Um, but they don't talk about Japanese on Japanese crime. And you're right, you've mm-hmm. never heard a story about white on white crime, and you're never going to hear it. And just like you said, it's because with black on black crime is exclusively meant to demonize black folks and to put us in the light as though we're not, we're not, not only do we not have any control amongst our emotions, but we're murderers. And we can't be anything but murderers. We can't be trained. Well, therefore, because we are murderers, because we are pose a security, because we pose a risk to the security of a civilized society, we like enemies in a war, who pose a, a threat to Western values, must be shot down like dogs. And instead of being absolutely appalled and horrified by that, people are programmed to breathe a silent relief because one more animal has been shot down. 
Mm-hmm. And the bad thing about it is that black people internalize that. We internalize that. You and know, in the also, same way that we were we were talking last week about how black people encouraged the police brutality and terrorism that is associated with the war on drugs in our community. Mm-hmm. We give permission when we try to somehow rationalize, reason with people who feel that they are at risk because we are demanding justice and because mm-hmm. we understand the nature of our own freedom. Can I go out on a limb to say something? Part of the problem that happened is some of our best intellectuals who should have been decoding this information for the black community so that we could safeguard ourselves, they were in white institutions talking to white children. And when you have the wholesale desertion of of your intelligentsia, you have some serious problems in terms of the community being able to decode very complicated issues in ways that they can understand it. So we've paid a price for for people who thought that it was more important. When I taught at the University of Maryland, people would say to me, oh, God, I can't teach at a black school because black, you know, this and that. And I used to say, but if you can stand a racist institution like the University of Maryland, why can't you be at a black school? That has cost the black community. We have really suffered from that loss and that vacuum in the community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and 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 I'll take it one further. Ruby, can you have any room on that limb for me? Because I'm a, I'm crawling out there with you. <laughs> the way in which we lack a backbone bone, and the way in which we lose our advocacy for justice for black people in the places where we work. Oh, I'm not going to say anything because I'll get in trouble. Oh, I'm going to align myself with this group of racist white folks over here because I don't want anybody thinking that I'm militant. Uh, All of those things contribute to furthering the, the, the... the circle of wagons that white folks take in this society to ensure that we never escape. And I think you're absolutely right. So we need, in addition to looking outward and doing a radical critique of white supremacy and white nationalism, we need to also look at, we need to have a serious conversation about where we've come to as a community and the choices that we've made. You see, part of Black Lives Matter means that you're willing to go to Morehouse and teach there. Part of Black Lives Matter, if black schools are so inferior, why don't you go and help them become better? Black Lives Mm -hmm. Matter means that if you're an alumni of a black school, you give money back so that with this assault on historically black colleges, they don't get destroyed. Black Lives Matter means, in effect, that you uh, 
patronize black businesses. And at the same time, Black Lives Matter, that means black businesses, that you don't have dirty places where people come to. If you want people to patronize your place, you have to make sure that you value them enough that you put money into keeping it. Because everywhere black people go, we're dehumanized. We don't want to go somewhere that just reinforce the fact that we're nothing. And therefore, you can just... We can, you know, you can treat us any kind of way. So we've got a lot of work to do on both ends of the of the pole here. And and part of that work is not to be on the sidelines throwing stones at young people who are raising the issues, raising the visibility of our protests, but to be behind them and inside their 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 crowds to support and empower them so that we all achieve together. Ruby Sales, thank you so very much. And thank I'm you going so to, much for having me. I, I really thank you And you're going to be with me next week, and we're going to continue yes. our series on resistance and rebellion and to talk about uh, some teaching and training that needs to get done in our communities. Thank you so much. Thank you, House Music right. Lover, for joining us. We're glad to have you back. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, House Music Lover has been with us even uh, from the time of the U.S. Talk Network. Who remembers that? <laughs> Straight out of Chicago. You're listening to Our Common Ground, and we'll be right back. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Alpha of the Alpha Show. into Our Common Ground, our number, 347-838-9852, 347-838-9852, to get in on the discussion, to join our guests, to talk to Janice. Make the call. This is Talk Radio That Matters. And now, back to Janice on Our Common Ground. Because our society is only as strong as all its individuals, the United Negro College Fund has helped educate thousands of doctors and researchers, but we need more. Thousands of architects and engineers, but we need more. Thousands of teachers and biologists, but we need more. And when disease, injustice, pollution, poverty, and countless other problems threaten to pull us apart, we had better educate every single person who has the potential to solve our problems. And to educate more people, we need more of your help. Give to the United Negro College Fund. With so much at stake, a mind is a terrible thing to waste.
Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, back to Janice. And we do thank you for being with us, and we certainly thank uh, House Music Lover uh, and our uh, friend from 212 uh, for joining us on our call line, and Ruby Sales, who joined us tonight. This is a very critical discussion because in order for this movement to progress and move forward, we've got to understand that simply because someone else uh, began where other people were at the beginning does not mean that we don't own it. Uh, Those of you who are not uh, part of... um, of uh, our listenership at TruthWorks Network, uh, but you know and have heard of the Alpha show. You know that Alpha has been out on medical leave for a number of months now. He is getting better, and um, he is on the line at seven seven three. And we're so glad to have him tune in and 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 call in to talk to us about. Um, about um, the political side. Alpha, are you there? Good evening, Janice. How are you this evening? Good. How are you feeling? I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to call you today. You know, I try to uh, stay on top. Well, I'm a little bit on the backward slide, and uh, I'm just going day to day. I'm in, I've been confined to this bed for day 42 now. So, oh, my God. I'll continue to well, try I am to hold on to that, my Yeah, I'm a witness that you are making progress, and I know that there are some days, but I'm I'm glad that you could, could join us. We really miss your voice in all of this. I was listening to the GOP um, debate the other night, and, you know, usually after something like that, I'll call you at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning and say, okay, tell me about it. And, yeah, well, uh I I know, but you know you gotta have some rules, Alpha. You can't be in the people's facility, um, and and just run it the way you want to run it. <laughs> I oh. hope I don't go to I hope I don't go to the rehab center where you are and your phone is ringing at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I just I just can't get anybody to deal break the windows up to the ball. <laughs> I I'm just. I I know that when you are completely recuperated, you'll be doing a jailbreak. Uh, that's when I know it really has gone down. And let me tell you what the people are saying. You know, you know, um, um, India Declare of the I Declare Show is uh, saying to you. Um, <clears throat> uh, that he she is so glad. Uh, to hear to hear you on the line, um, and you are usually in the chat room, and you're not. YJ's in the chat room. Uh, Michelle is in the chat room. We have a number of guests. S7 Evolvo is in the chat room. Um, I'm trying to well, connect to the chat room. I've been trying to connect to the chat room for the last hour and a half. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm having... I'm having connection problems uh too. I don't know what's going on, but I've been having connection problems all day today. 
But let me ask you about your thoughts about the Black Lives Movement and the protests of interruption um, and how effective you think that they're going to be uh, during the um, 2016 campaign season and whether or not you've had a chance. I know you were very ill when they did uh, publish their agenda on mass incarceration and police brutality, so you probably haven't had an opportunity to see that. But give us your impressions about this movement of on the political side. Well, like all our movements, it started by young people, and it's due to a crisis in our community. And what we continue to fail to learn is that as soon as there is a movement on our part to maintain their death grip, they counter with lies, uh, misinformation, speculation, innuendo, and willful, willful dishonesty. And what they have been successful at is to getting black people to question the same people that are trying to uh, better our community. And when I say that, I'll simply say this. At each step in our history, they have countered what we're trying to do or what we have been trying to do. But now they have a leg up because, you see, all we have are intellectuals who are willing to invest a little time and a little speech and a little uh, uh, op-ed. But what they have, they have millionaires and billionaires who are willing to devote entire think tanks to to the subject matter of keeping us under their thumb. And that's what we don't understand. They did, they demonized and vilified uh, affirmative action. They demonized and vilified the race card. They've demonized and vilified each and every movement at every step of the way. They respond. They do not allow something to go unchallenged. So when you hear Bill O'Reilly talking about White people are under attack, and Black Lives Matters are responsible for killing police officers. That's nothing more than the than another attack. You know, the one thing about Republicans and the white supremacists, when they want to say something or want to accuse and lie about black people, they do it and they say it. And they're not one black voice will step up. Not one prominent black voice will step up and call them a racist. Donald Trump should be called a racist birther because of his stance and his, you know, when you hear him say, it's not his job to defend Barack Obama. No, it's your job not to be a racist son of a bitch that you are. And it's it's your job not to promote the bigotry that you do. And nobody of prominence will stand up and say that. That seems to be part of the problem. We got black people who don't believe in post-traumatic slave syndrome. We got black people who say, well, why are you going all the way back to slavery? Who don't understand that the illness has carried us 
this far. We've been sick for a long time. So only thing they have to say is, why can't black people be responsible? And if it's not black-on-black crime, it's abortion of black babies. There's always a negative that they throw out there, and they use that as the spearhead of their conversation. Ruby had made some great points about Black Lives Matter and what they stand for. And so have you. And you're absolutely right. But until we are able to identify exactly what they are doing and find a way to counter it, and that's going to be very difficult because we do not have the voices in the communication, meaning the media. And until that happens, it's, you know, it's damn the checkmate. Because Black Lives Matter, just like when Occupy, remember when Occupy came out? What was the first thing they said about Occupy? They were full of drug addicts, hippies. They were having sex down there. They were raping women. They, all of this came out through their propaganda network, CNN and Fox News. So at each and every turn, there needs to be a recognition of exactly what they're doing. And instead of us asking about Black Lives Matter, what's the ask? We should be simply either joining them when we can and where we can. And the idea, the notion, yeah, young black people will do things that older black people don't understand. And I'm making reference to the Bernie Sanders uh, fiasco. But they're not going to get to do that at the Republican, at any Republican gathering. They'll be hauled off, brutally beaten, and taken to jail. You know, and one of the th- one of the things that we are dismissing, and we can't afford to dismiss, in the demonization, in trying to eradicate, um, eradicate this Black Lives Movement, um, uh, uh, progression, is that we are. Uh, we are forgetting that we can step in. You know, for instance, I have been saying to myself for weeks, and even before I came back on the air on September 5th, that maybe one of the ways that I can do it is by starting and organizing Black Lives Matter media. Um, Media well, you, know, and you know how you know how tough that is. You, you know we've you know, got to and, and, fight for the soul of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, we've, we've got, got to fight for to, the black ear first. We have to what? fight for the black ear. We have to fight for the black ear. Yeah, get the proper perspective. And I'll tell you, they have a spot of throat on two tiers because if the propaganda and the PR campaign fails and we overcome that, they'll simply trot out the Bible and the religion. We accepted their Bible, we've accepted their religion, and then they'll start in with that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, is, it is a heavy lift. It's a very steep hill that we have to climb to get to where we need to be mm-hmm. to battle and, this, and beginning, so we have to continue. 
and 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 really going back to something that Ella Baker said. It's I have this um, I, I have this in uh, this banner in my in my den, and it says Ella Baker said it best: strong people do not need strong leaders. What strong people need to do is to be the leader that you've been looking for. Well, strong leaders need also to create strong leaders. Yeah, because, you know, people are going around leaders. and saying, well, who are the leaders? I mean, you know. Yeah, um, but, but, that, you know but that is the question. That is a question that we got from them. See, we have co-opted their questions. They framed this narrative as to what Black Lives Matter should mm-hmm. be, just like the just like the Black Agenda Report. They are attacking them for what? For what earthly reason could Black Agenda Report be attacking Black Lives Matter? That they well, can't co-opt it. They cannot co-opt well, them and bring the, them into their fold. The fissure and the fracture. Uh, had to do with Bernie Sanders and uh, how the socialist left sees Bernie Sanders. And it had to do with the misstep with Hillary Clinton uh, and that it was so public. It was a faltering. And what we should have done was jump Hillary Clinton's bones for first not having had or invited Black Lives Matter um, before they even had to ask for her at an event. So she can't say that she, she can't portray herself as a progressive if she's not talking to the people who are asking the questions. Her deepest fear is that she's not given the answer before the question is asked. But that's, that's, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. She won't have to because the alternative to her, if she's the nominee, will be unacceptable. And like just like I just like I asked about Barack Obama after he disappointed so many of us during his first term. I asked the same question. Where are you going? Where are yeah. you going? If it's if the nominee is Hillary Clinton, are you going to go to a Ted Cruz? Are you going to go to a Donald Trump? Who's going to be? Think about the field that they're about to, to try out but, there. But politically, here's it. the thing that that I would recommend if the if if anybody wants to uh, talk with me about it, and that is that the interruption ought to be of the DNC that the interruption exactly. ought to be at the state DNC levels in every state in this country, that the, that the interruption ought to be at the black caucus. Instead, you know, and they're having their weekend this, this year, uh, this weekend, and I know that there are some very wonderful forums and seminars and symposiums that go on uh, at that weekend but you know, people walk away, and there's nothing else, and that is the problem. And that's why I stopped going because I felt like people really 
the, these people really don't care, okay? We've heard these messages. We've all agreed in these forums about what has to happen, and nothing happens afterwards. Uh, Alpha, I, I really appreciate you uh, spending the time with us, and I don't want to um, exhaust you. But just let me ask you, <laughs> after I say all that, uh, just let me ask you about the notion of how we can best become policy chain changers under the slogan of Black Lives Matter. Well, under the slogan of Black Lives Matter, it's going to be real tough because, like I said, We've allowed them to frame the narrative. We are asking the questions that they want us to ask. And rather than with, with, with what Black Lives Matter stands for, they also must be asking the questions, why is the media so willing to carry the dirty water for Republicans? The Republican debate, Bush kept us safe like he wasn't president <laughs> in one one Bush kept us safe. Is that, did I hear that right? I mean, you hear lie after lie. The, the lie on Planned Parenthood. And, uh, and I heard one of the real ignorant congresswomen, Blackburn, she said that 94% of what they do are abortions. Well, didn't Senator Kyle tell that same lie three or four years ago, but his number was 97 and why is it that the media continues to allow this misinformation campaign? Black Lives Matter should not just be on that. They should also be attacking the media for their one-sidedness, for their bias between uh, our news outlets and our, our websites like Politico. Forget about Breitbart and Drudge. We know what they're about. But you have... Uh, organizations like Politico, you have organizations like uh, Huffington Post who want to appear to be uh, neutral and unbiased when it's just the opposite. Are and you that's saying that they I are not? Politico oh, is, is, is one of the on most white ones. Me and Ruby. <laughs> no, I got, I, and I have, and I have, and I'm the last one on closest to the tree, and I got a saw. <laughs> okay, so, so I mean, meta metaphorically, we are in big trouble because we're out there on on the limb, and you all allow me to have the song, and I'm the well, I just have to tell you this. I was going to call you this morning to tell you this, and all of you who are listening, you could hear uh, this little story. Last, yesterday, a transit police in Boston pulled a gun on a young woman on a bus filled with pe with with uh, uh, people coming home from work and children. And you had a bus full of young men, teenagers, begging the transit police cop to put his gun away. He was waving this gun as though it were... Um, some kind of baton. He put it away. The young woman kept resisting, and he pulled it again. So there was a big rally 
and someone in South Carolina called me and 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 told me what was going on, and I went uh, on Facebook and I saw the video, and the and the rally was called for 6:30, and I went down to the rally. Not a lot of people, but there were people who there were young teenagers who said that they were scared to death that they were going to have to witness someone being killed by police. To me, and I wrote to the um, to the governor and to everybody else I could and sent the video and said, our children should live in a city where they are not fearful that they will have to witness a murder by law enforcement, by police officers of any kind. And this transit policeman was was a black officer, was he not? Yes, and he was a black officer. That's where we are, folks. Alpha, thank you very much, and uh, you have a uh, restful rest of the evening, and we will talk to you tomorrow, give you a Sunday visit, maybe even bring you a little sermon or something, you know, a little something, something. You're not bringing (laughs) me some good food. (laughs) Well, thank you, Janice. You know, I... I'm glad to be able to, to I, like I said, I'm still trying to connect to the chat room, and the uh-huh. program's almost over. It, uh, I, my, my telephone has more uh, Wi-Fi strength than this, uh, Wi-Fi strength than this uh, rehab Laptop. center. Laptop. Uh-huh. No, well, no, my you, telephone. Oh, I my see. My cell phone. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, uh, you take care of yourself, and to even to talk to you, it's just a personal joy. You've seen some dark days in the last months, and I am so very happy uh, to well, be I'm able to picking. have this conversation with you. Well, Alpha of picking. the Alpha Show. I'm going to put you on mute because I know that's where you want to be. <laughs> to, all of you, to all of you who are with us, thank you so very much uh, of... of um, Oh, and uh, Alpha uh, YJ wants to say that he is praying for you, my brother. Um, <clears throat> Alpha has been the host of the Alpha Show broadcast on Fridays at 10 p.m. for the past six years. Every Saturday, every Friday night, bringing us the best kind of clarity on the black side of politics in America, and we'll be so happy when he's able to get back on the air and hit the mic and we really do thank him for joining us don't forget we uh, would like to ask you to support us by signing up liking on liking us on facebook ocg talk uh and on twitter janice at janice ocg uh our website is www dot our common ground dot com and you can write to us. We like to get email. We got a lot of email from last week's uh, uh broadcast and I thank you so very much and Alpha just popped up in the chat room. See, when you wait good things happen. I think that one of the things that we need to do this week is to beat the rug. When I was a kid we had a neighbor Um, next door, 
and um, she had a clothesline that she would put her rugs on, and she had an old tennis racket, and she would beat the dust out of those tennis rackets. And one day when I was very little, I asked her why she hit it so hard. She says, I'm not worried about this rug. I'm just trying to think some things through. Uh, we will be with uh, Ruby Sales next week uh, and talking more about resistance and rebellion, and I'm sure and hope that you will be with us. Uh, we've got a few minutes, but I do want to share with you about the, the Million Man March on October in October 10th uh, in Washington, D.C., So on the 20th anniversary of the Million Man March, we're going back to Washington. Say with me, please. I. Say your name. Pledge that from this day forward, I will strive.
uh, the Million Man March some 30 years ago. But um, in terms of being able to build our community and to celebrate and look at um, just the accomplishments and just the future uh, for our people, we hope that you will take a look at supporting this Million Man March. Our Common Ground Book of the Month, Tanahisi Coates' Between the World and Me. I read some excerpts from this book last last um last week, but Toni Morrison says that this is required reading. And I quote, I've been wondering who might fill the intellectual void that plagued me after James Baldwin died. Clearly, it's Tanahisi Coates, the language of between the world and me, like Coates's journey, is visceral, eloquent, and beautifully redemptive. So we hope you'll read this and coming up so you can go ahead and order your October book. October's book for Our Common Gown is The Warmth of Other Suns, the epic story of America's Great Migration by Isabel Wilkerson. Thank you all for being with us, and we'll see you next week with uh, more from Ruby Sales, and we're going to be kicking it right out here on this branch. Thanks to Alpha, house music lover, and I think our brother from uh, 212 for their calls. I'll see you next week because at Our Common Ground, I'll be listening for you. Thank you for joining us on Our Common Ground tonight. We're especially thankful for your support, your calls, and your email. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Facebook and join us. Follow us on Twitter, Janice at OCG. Please join us next Saturday night. We're here every Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Coming up next week on Our Common Ground, we continue to our series with our sister Ruby Sales from the Spirit House Project next Saturday night here on Our Common Ground. And in the following Saturday, who's going to be with us? Dr. Tommy J. Curry of Texas A&M University. We'll be listening. Everybody.